Did you know that if your website is running too slowly, it can cause higher bounce rates, lower search engine rankings, lower page view numbers, and lower conversion rates? To put it simply, a slow website means lower profits. In fact, if your site is delayed by more than one second, it could literally be costing you thousands of dollars a year. But don't worry, I have an answer for you. WPX Hosting. WPX Hosting has some of the fastest website hosting on the planet with lightning quick servers, 24-7 support that is available in less than 37 seconds when you need them, blazing fast load speeds, and even a free high-speed content delivery network or a CDN. But that is not the best part. Even if you are on another web host, WPX Hosting will work with you for free to migrate your site in less than one day. Along with automatic backups, malware scanning and removal, email, staging areas, and 99.95% uptime guarantees, WPX is the exclusive web host for the Blogger Evolution podcast. Our friends over at WPX Hosting want you to join the family as well. For a limited time, you can enjoy a 50% discount on the first month of hosting, meaning you can make your website faster for less than $13. Visit bloggerevolution.com hosting for your 50% coupon. That's bloggerevolution.com hosting. Remember, a fast website means higher profits. Various things like voice search and things that are coming in, but Google wants granular answers. Yeah. Really granular. Because if you think about it, someone's doing it, like if they're on their phone, they're like, do guinea pigs eat carrots? Well, they don't want a whole 3000 word article about that answer. They just seem just, you know, just yes or no. <laughs> and it needs to be that simple. Um, so if you can be that person to answer those questions with the most brevity possible, it, it works really, really well. Regular people are taking their passions and interests, writing about it in a blog and making a living from it. But not everyone is successful. There is a right way to build a blog and a wrong way. And I am here to help you succeed with your online business. My name is Chris Miles, and this is the Blogger Evolution Podcast. Oh, and welcome to the Blogger Evolution Podcast. My name is Chris Miles, wherever you are, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your day. All right. So we've all been there. We've all been in a situation where we sat down, opened up Google and typed in the words how to make money online. And from personal experience, I can tell you that is a pretty toxic rabbit hole to fall through. We're talking about surveys, micro jobs, testing websites, all of these things, right? You spend tons of time, sometimes hours just to get what? $3 maybe? It's a big waste of time. It always has been. But for whatever reason, these types of things just dominate when we Google how to make money online. But I went through that. I'm sure a lot of you have gone through that. But you know who else went through that? Our guest, Nathan Gotch from Gotch SEO. He went through the exact same experience that a lot of us have gone through. But he come out the other side of it. And when I say come out the other side of it, he's become a world renowned SEO expert. And I was had the privilege and delighted to have him on the podcast today. We talked about everything SEO. We even got a little nerdy with it. OK, so uh, hopefully we can get some really good value out of this. We talked about how he got into SEO um, we talked about the the value. This is one one interesting thing we talked about, the difference between the type of content you create versus the intent of the content that you create. It's a very fine line that sometimes we forget about when we are creating content and we get blinded by just looking at keywords. 
We talk about a lot of the unique research, specific examples of unique research that Nathan himself either has gone after or would go after in order to create something that's different online and be able to stand out from the rest. We talk about his link building strategy, some of the places uh, and people who have, you know, very strong, entrenched, you know, um, backlink strategies and almost to the point to where they're not open to anything else. But Nathan helps shine some light on what we probably should be doing with our websites. We talked about the importance of relevance. We even touched on age domains, expired domains, um, his exact process for how he optimizes his content online to make sure that it ranks. This is a power-packed episode, and I can't wait for you to be able to listen to it and get the great stuff that uh, Nathan has to talk about. But before we get into that, um, be sure to go uh, to Nathan's YouTube channel. It's gotchseo.com, G-O-T-C-H-S-E-O.com. Well, that's his website. And then you can also search Nathan Gotch on YouTube and you'll pull up his channel. Hey, I am a, a viewer of his channel. Uh, the YouTube gods said, hey, you need to watch this guy. I started watching him and now I'm hooked. His content is outstanding. So be sure to go check it out um, either on YouTube or at his website, gotchseo.com. I believe he even has a free training for uh, SEO on his website. So go there, join his email list. You won't be disappointed, trust me. So let's go ahead and jump into this amazing interview with Nathan Gotch from Gotch SEO. Blogging has allowed me to quit my job and watch my son grow up every single day. But truly succeeding at blogging, it does take time and it takes patience. But one ninja trick that I use to cut down on that time is our sponsor, SerpNames.com. SerpNames.com is a premium marketplace of fine age domains. A clean and vetted age domain will help you skip the Google sandbox period, save thousands of dollars on link building, and rank for highly competitive keywords with a fraction of the time and budget. So let SerpNames.com and their constantly growing inventory of vetted age domains take the guesswork out of the due diligence process so that you can spend more time doing what you want to do. So what would you do with that extra time? For me, that's simply kicking back and spending time with the family. The Blogger Evolution Podcast has partnered with SerpNames.com to get you a 15% discount by using the promo code EVOLUTION at checkout. That's good for any age domain in the SerpNames.com marketplace. That's promo code EVOLUTION. So please support our sponsor and go to SerpNames.com, sign up for a free account to browse for your perfect age domain, and use promo code EVOLUTION at checkout for an additional 15% discount off your purchase. Again, that's serpnames.com. All right, and welcome back to the Blogger Evolution Podcast. My name is Chris, and we're here with Nathan Gotch from gotchseo.com. Now, he has an amazing YouTube channel as well. The website's pretty amazing as also, so be sure to go check those places out. But first, let's go ahead and talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Nathan. How, uh, thanks so much for being on. Thank you so much. Super excited to be on. Awesome, awesome. So let's just give people a quick background onto how you got into SEO. What kind of a background do you have that that may have lent well to you getting into SEO? And uh, I guess just go from there. Yeah, um, this might be you know pretty relevant to your to your audience, but uh, you know I I pretty much got started um, by actually the way that a lot of people get started. I actually was a senior in college. Actually, I was a junior in college going into my senior year. And I was trying to figure out ways to make money online. Uh, my, you know, my family wanted me to be a lawyer and wanted me to go that path. But secretly, you know, I really wanted to kind of go my own path and kind of just. I, I always had this like idea that you know I could work online. That was always something I was super excited that I could do. 
Um, and so I started Googling things like how to make money online. And then I discovered all these various tactics. Um, and <laughs> let's just say many of them didn't really work out. You know, I was doing paid surveys. Uh, I was making, I don't know, 10 cents an hour doing that. Um, and I was like just busting out these surveys, doing so many of them. And then my, my girlfriend, which is uh, now my wife, she was like, this just isn't going to work. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So, uh, so I went on to the next thing, which was, you know, writing, writing papers for other college students, not, not, not a, not a recommended thing to do. Uh, and then I was writing articles for like this website called easy and articles at the time. So you would like write articles and then you would get paid a percentage, uh, based on the views that that article would get once again, pennies. Um, so then after all my experiments and, uh, trials and errors, uh, I eventually stumbled upon this course. It was called, I think it's called web colleagues. Um, and it was a little $47 course and they had all kinds of crazy recommendations in there, but one of them was that you should start a blog. Uh, and so to me, that was pretty appealing. Cause like I was a decent writer. I was getting a degree in political science. So I was doing a ton of writing. So I'm like, I, I could probably write some blog content. Um, and I didn't really have any idea what to create, uh, you know, a website on or a blog on. And the only skill I really had was just throwing a baseball cause I was on my college baseball team. So I was like, well, I might as well do it on baseball pitching because uh, it's all I really know how to do. So that's what I did. I just started, you know, writing content on this blog called The Ultimate Pitcher. Funny thing is, I actually spelled ultimate wrong in the domain name. So I actually spelled it The Ultimate Pitcher. Uh, and it took me months and months to, to see the mistake in the uh, domain. So I haven't, I haven't made that mistake again, but, um, but that was, you know, my first blog. And uh, I wrote all this content about pitching. Uh, and just got crickets, no, you know, no visitors. I was creating, you know, many, many articles and just getting no traffic at all. Uh, and then that was kind of the point where I was like, all right, I need to figure out how to get traffic to my site. Like I understand blogging is important, but I'm not getting traffic. So I'm never going to make money from this. Uh, so then I eventually discovered SEO. Uh, and then I used SEO on this blog. It became my kind of like catalyst for learning SEO. And I eventually started getting organic traffic. And then many years later, uh, that website got acquired by an actual baseball, a former MLB baseball pitcher. <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of a weird chain of events. Um, but that, that blog, you know, it, it wasn't making a ton of money, but it really gave me the, it, it, you know, gave me this path towards SEO. Uh, and then I eventually started creating all these niche sites, uh, on all various things, uh, TRX reviews, Bowflex reviews under counter ice maker reviews. Like I was just doing anything. Um, and I, and people probably heard me say this before, but I was literally just doing it to figure out how to do SEO better. So I would create these sites, see what I could do with SEO. Um, and it just became a real obsession. So that's kind of where it all started. And, uh, you know, since that point now I've worked on hundreds of SEO campaigns for businesses and my own websites and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, but that was kind of the beginning, beginning stages. So. Wow, that is that is awesome. And it's funny, you must have been looking over my shoulder as I was getting into this, because I was I kind of went down the exact same path, especially when it comes to doing the uh, the surveys and the make money online randomness that if you go to Google and you type in make money online, you're going to get you're going to unearth some of the weirdest stuff oh, yeah. ever. And a lot of it is just a waste of time, a huge, huge yeah. waste of time. So I, I totally understand. I think a lot of people in our audience would understand that as well. And shoot, you I remember you said that you even did e-zines. That's old school I right did. there. <laughs> of course. You know, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen were, it. I remember there, when Google yeah, used to be a, dominated a, by a street it. articles too. street articles. Yes. Is another one. Yes. Yeah. Street articles, e-zines. I remember when that yeah. stuff was like, 
you, you couldn't Google anything without that popping up. And it was a I terrible know. experience. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Any, anyway, that's awesome. That is an amazing story that you just went through there. I love how you went through the whole uh, uh, you started a site, you created the content and it, through a few hurdles, you ended up coming out with an exit, you know, and able to yeah. get out of it. And that's really a lot of what people in our audience is trying to do with their blogs. So, I mean, let's just go into it. You where are you right now? Like, where's your your industry? You're not your industry, but your um, your business, your your blogs. How is that stuff going for you right now? Yeah, I mean, my business is very different than what it was back then, uh, because now, you know, my my business is, you know, half of it is actually doing SEO for businesses. So businesses pay us uh, a minimum of $5,000 per month to do SEO for them. Uh, and the other side of my business is I actually teach people uh, how to get SEO results themselves and ultimately how to you know, even start their own SEO business. Um, and so... I have these two different parts of my, and then I obviously have other niche sites. Um, I have a coffee blog that's growing, uh, starting kind of like a little coffee side business as well. But my main, my main revenue drivers of those two things is the service side and uh, teaching people how to do it too, which is uh, really my, my preference. Uh, I, I really love the teaching side of it. I, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So, uh, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, I get on these coaching calls and people ask me all kinds of questions about SEO and I guide them through their campaigns and the questions they have. So, yeah, that's the way my business is set up now. Um, very different than before. But I used, I really used all of, all of the results I got from those niche sites. Um, first of all, it taught me a ton, which you know really gave me important information leading up to working with clients. But also actually helped me build a portfolio, which then I could use to get my first handful of clients. Uh, which is a, something that a lot of people don't realize. Like you always, a lot of people think they need to go and get clients to be able to build a portfolio, but you can actually build out your own sites make that your portfolio and then you can get clients. So just a, something that I personally did. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that makes plenty of sense. The, uh, you know, because SEO does work so slowly, you know, sometimes people are looking for a more immediate way in which to earn an income. And right. a lot of people do turn to agencies, you know, so yes. how do you get new clients with your agencies? Is it just strictly SEO? Do you have any other methods that you use? Yeah. I mean, in the early days, so like things that work for me, you know, in 2014 or so probably won't work super well now, but like at that time, you know, I was going on Craigslist and I was like responding to every single gig on Craigslist that I found that someone asking for SEO help. And I landed like a good pool of my initial clients on Craigslist. Uh, I landed clients on Quora, just answering questions, Q and A. Uh, but then, you know, from that also at that same time, I also started ranking for specific keywords in Google. So like St. Louis SEO company, Santa Monica SEO company, I started ranking for these, these pages. Uh, and that actually ended up being my source of leads, uh, the best leads. Uh, and then, you know, now obviously I have much, uh, let's just say I have bigger infrastructure of different channels that can bring me leads. So I have YouTube, I have email, I have Google. Um, so it's, it's different now, but really I would say, you know, to, to make it so that you're, your leads are coming through inbound channels is really that that's really what everyone should aim to do uh, either whether that's referrals or whether that's they're just pure organic you know google youtube um interviews like i'm doing now uh you know these things these things really drive the best leads so uh, i think it's it's the dream of every agency person to not have to do cold outreach uh but in those in those early days you you kind of have to uh, to get that initial pool um, so yeah, that's, that's how I get them now is pretty much all organic. 
Yeah, man, I hate cold outreach. I totally agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's you, not super fun. You know, you're talking about we were talking about baseball earlier. Talk about a batting average and near zero. You know, right. <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, so you mentioned yeah. that you were getting some new clients by it. It seems like uh, using like some local SEO, right, to be able to rank yeah. for some pretty um pointed terms, but in specific cities. Um, how do you know what kind of terms to go after in order to do that and come up with more content ideas? Yeah, I mean, as far as getting clients, you know, I'm I, well. Really, any keyword research always stems from intent. Uh, so, you know, if I if I'm if I'm finding keywords that have high t- intent, I know that the likelihood that they're going to convert is going to be higher. So, for example, if you know they're if they're searching best SEO company in St. Louis, and I'm there, that's a very very high probability that I can at least turn them into a, into a sales qualified lead or a marketing qualified lead. Uh, but if they're just searching SEO. I don't know. Are they looking for what SEO is? Are they trying to learn like the acronym? I don't know. There's too much ambiguity. So really getting getting narrow and figuring out like the pure intent of a keyword and then delivering the right page built around that keyword. That's where the that's where the magic happens uh, when it comes to SEO. So um, and that's even like how our process is built. Like we prioritize keywords that are you know towards the bottom of the funnel over that are more let's say general or informational in nature. Uh, there, there's a time and place for informational keywords, but it just is, as far as building out a campaign, I want to focus on the ones that are really going to drive the best leads. So like, you know, with my academy ranking for things like SEO training, Los Angeles or SEO training, Chicago, like those have tiny little volumes, but the quality of those leads and the quality of that traffic is incredible. So that's, you know, that's what we're focused on is like, what is going to be the quality of this traffic? I could go and rank for you know, stupid things like how to delete your Instagram account. And I could get tons of traffic, right? Tons of traffic, but I'd get virtually no leads at all. So traffic is most of the time people focus on it, but more often than not from a business perspective, it's usually just vanity and it's not really going to drive the performance. So um, I don't pay too much attention to it. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying, because when you're even though you might get fewer uh, people to the site, those are much more qualified leads. Now, usually and a lot of people, even in this audience, they uh, are going after more informational stuff, especially over the last couple of years. Informational content, because it's just lower competition, it's going after more numbers than it is trying to convert because that's more top of funnel stuff. And people are monetizing with ads. And I know we're not going after like big you know, best SEO tool or these these huge, highly competitive stuff is more like people who have pet sites, you know, and things like that, who are doing pretty good, getting a couple hundred thousand a month and making decent incomes from it. Uh, Let me ask you, when it comes to the informational versus transactional, does it really just depend on your business model or would you always recommend going after more transactional stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's business model is definitely the biggest, you know, uh, indicator of what you should do. But I mean, even like if you're, like take the example of a site that's just going to be monetized purely through ads. Okay. Even then you technically want to target terms that are going to have high CPMs, right? You don't, you don't even like, you don't want to go after terms that are going to have low CPMs because you're going to need such a high volume just to make pennies. <laughs> so, yeah. so at the end of the day, even then, if that's going to be your monetization model, you still want to target keywords that are really going to be those heavy hitters. So like, you know, if you, if you built a, an informational site around personal injury, that would make you a substantial amount of money uh, because the CPMs are so high. Uh, so, yeah, even in that case, it's the same thing. But of course, you know, business models matter, and like a lot of like all of our clients, 
maybe with the exception of a couple, they all have a product that they sell, you know? And so it's easy to build a strategy around that because like, okay, well, they want to rank for the primary products. And then any informational content is really just designed to support those bottom of the funnel keywords. So, um, but yeah, with like with an affiliate site, uh, which is a little bit different than just a pure traffic play, uh, still, I'd want to focus on those bottom of the funnel kind of, you know, best, best, best drills, best, uh, you know, best fryers, you know, things like that, uh, because that's really where the money's going to be made from when it comes to affiliate. So, um, yeah, they're harder, but they will definitely make you more money. Yeah. So, yeah. So is there a strategy in maybe early on going after some of those transactional keywords just to get, uh, you know, affiliate type keywords just to get them onto the site, but then making a strong affiliate play, I'm mean, sorry, making a strong informational play in order to drive traffic to those posts with, with, is that an effective model? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, really every SEO campaign should be hitting each, each point of the funnel, right? Yeah. I mean, a, a proper SEO campaign is going to hit bottom of the funnel, middle of the funnel, top of the funnel. Uh, and, and informational is always going to be a part of that. Um, so, you know, ultimately for me though, like what I'm thinking about is like, okay, if we want to rank for, I don't know, uh, best fit fitness equipment, let's just throw something out there, uh, best fitness equipment that becomes our focus. But one of the key ways to improve the performance of that keyword is actually to build more topical authority. So naturally you're going to have to go and build out these informational assets to support those bottom of the funnel keywords. So that just ends up being kind of a part of the process anyway. Um, but you know, yeah, driving, driving traffic through informational keywords is certainly valuable, but you need to make sure you have a good process in place to make sure you're funneling that traffic into the pages that really are going to drive you the revenue. Um, because you, as we all know, uh, roughly 3% or so of people take any action on the site when they land there, especially organically, because most people don't realize this, but like organic traffic from Google is very cold. Like they don't have any, a lot of them don't have any brand recognition of you. They don't know who you are. Uh, so that's why the, you know, the, the non-conversion rate is so, so high. I mean, you think about 97% of people don't do anything on your site, <laughs> which is pretty insane. So you need to have something in place to push those people who are informational queries down into those pages that really are going to drive your revenue. If you're an affiliate, that is. Yeah. So. Do you implement uh, any type of retargeting strategies to try to go after the other 97%? Yeah. I mean, I, th I think every site should have retargeting pixels set up to at least collect data, you know, just to start to get those pixels warmed up, get them collected. And then if you want to run those retargeting campaigns, you can, cause you've collected all that data. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you lose so much. I mean, most people, I think it's like 80, 70 or 80% of visitors will never come back to your site again. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't get them on a retargeting pixel or you don't convert them onto your email list, you're, you're flushing a lot of money down the toilet. I mean, it's, it's really, really important. Yeah. So. And that was actually my next question to you was, does it always have to be a paid strategy um, in terms of giving Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever, um, or Google any type of, uh, uh, information so that they can retarget or can you just drive people to an email list? Cause that can be an effective retargeting strategy as well. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my, that's my go-to. So it's, it's pretty much, 
especially when you're doing more informational strategy, you know, you're going to take that informational content. Let's say, you know, what is SEO? Someone searches that. Don't try to rank for that. It'd be a, a, a money pit trying to rank for that. Uh, but anyway, what is SEO? You send them to the, the blog post that's, you know, very informational in nature about what is SEO. Within that blog post, I'm going to send them to a lead magnet. So maybe that's a on-page SEO checklist, or maybe that's a, a free SEO masterclass, something to get that person to, to convert. So like if you were to go to Gotcha SEO, you would see like right on my homepage, I have immediately a on-page SEO checklist that you can subscribe to get. So I'm I'm always prioritizing that on my site and any sites that we work on because you know most people just aren't ready to buy no matter what the industry is. I mean even even when you're targeting, you know, especially informational keywords, people aren't even close to buying anything. I mean, if someone searches what is SEO, they're not all of a sudden going to go and invest in Ahrefs or SEMrush. It's just that's not the way they work. I mean, in a normal kind of like in a normal structured environment, someone would search, what is SEO? And then they would discover, oh, there's tools that you can use. Okay, now I'm going to go search best SEO tools. Then they're a little bit further down the funnel. And then they're like, oh, what is Ahrefs? What is SEMrush? Okay, I'm going to go look up Ahrefs versus SEMrush. Now they're deeper into the funnel, but they're brand aware. And then the last phase would be like, you know, okay, SEMrush free trial, you know? So now they're really bottom of the funnel. But like that process could take weeks for that to kind of unfold. Uh, and so that's why having something in those information, like out of all the types of pages that you have informational content, top of the funnel is the most important to have lead magnets to get them on your list. Like by far, I mean, that's a number one conversion objection, you know, objective, I would say for those types of content. So, yeah, yeah. When I first, um, I, I totally understand. Cause when I first started with this, I didn't really understand much. <laughs> and then as soon as someone explained to me the customer buying cycle, everything clicked at that point, right. knowing at what point to target somebody based on, you know, their awareness versus do they know what their problem is? When they figure out their problem, do they know how to fix that problem? Now they start looking for yada, 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 review, you know, and then they find a product and they start going after it. And but it's because there's so fewer traffic at the bottom, sometimes people shy away from going after it. But if you can right. get the bigger numbers at the top of the funnel, even though they're not as even though they're, they're ice cold, like like you mentioned, um, being able to get them onto email list and kind of work them down the funnel is a great way to be able to earn some income. Have you seen that to work with any niche? Because a lot of people in our space, they will use uh email as like an excuse to not do it because they're like, oh, it just doesn't work in my niche. Have you seen a situation where email doesn't work or does it mainly work and it's always worth trying to do? I mean, it's like anything in life. I mean, most things work, but it's just the person that's doing it yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the strategy behind it, right? So, uh, I mean, it's a pretty hard argument to say that email doesn't work. I mean, that's, that's like, you know, out of all channels, uh, I will even tell you just, you know, my business, like email's probably my number one channel. Like it's not even close. Like email is just so powerful because you control that list. You can mark remarket to that list every single week or many, many days. Um, and so it's just nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. As long as you're nurturing the email list, as long as you're delivering the content the way that you should, it's pretty unstoppable in pretty much any vertical. Um, it's just usually because people will be in like, I don't know, power drills. And they're like, how do I create content for power drills? Um, but there's creativity involved, right? You got to be a little more creative in some verticals. But um, but yeah, I mean, every vertical has unique ideas uh, that you can go into. And the thing is like, 
a lot of affiliates uh, and people building niche sites, they focus on the solution. They don't focus on the problem. So they're so focused on the best drills, but they're not fo- like, what, what is this drill doing? Like, what is this larger thing that the drill is accomplishing? And that's where email comes in because it becomes more of a story of like what you're trying to help them achieve with that drill, not so much which one has the best drill bit. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it's, it's a kind of, it's, it's more marketing as opposed to just pure like keyword driven kind of thinking. So yeah, you have to be able to take a step back, I think, because yeah, someone needs the best drill at some point, but what problems came up that required them to need that drill? And those are the exactly. types of informational content you should be going after. So, yeah, I, I totally love what you're saying there. Now, let's just double back just a little bit. We were talking about the informational versus transactional stuff, but you mentioned one specific word, and that was intent. So how mm-hmm. do you assess the intent of a keyword? Yeah, um, that comes with a little bit of experience. I mean, obviously, like at this point, um, you know, I, I can look at a keyword and basically know where to put that in what uh, bucket of intent, you know, just because I've, I've done it so much. But uh, normally, I mean, you, you can use tools, you can use Google, they can certainly help you, but it is does help with some experience. So like in general, keywords that are at the top of the funnel that are informational in nature are going to have very specific words attached to them. What, how, why. Uh, you know, anything like that, any type of those, you know, those words, those modifiers that determine that someone's looking for some sort of answer to something um, is going to be pretty obvious. So I'll give kind of like a practical example. Sure. Uh, let's, we'll just do the SEO because that's where my mind is most of the time. So, uh, so top of the funnel, they're going to be looking up what is SEO. They may look up uh, what are backlinks, uh, you know, things of that nature, very high level, or even they may even look up how to, how to build backlinks. Okay. So maybe they're a little bit deeper. They kind of understand SEO a little bit. They're like, okay, how do I get more backlinks? They understand backlinks are important, but still, still top of the funnel. Next phase would be, okay, I see that to get backlinks, I need to like use SEO tools. So what are the best SEO tools? So that's what would be considered what's an investigative intent. Yep. Investigative intent is, means that, you know, they're looking for, uh, a solution, but they're not brand aware. So best SEO tools, best power drills, uh, best, uh, St. Louis gyms, you know, they're, they just, they don't, there's no brand awareness. They're just kind of focused on the solution. And then once they land on that list, they'll probably get a list post of, you know, here's the top five, uh, SEO tools. They're going to see all the big heavy hitters. And then they're going to do more research on those, which then is going to bring them further down the funnel more to now we're in like the transactional type of intent. Uh, so that's going to be, uh, I like to put tra- transactional above comparison. So transactional will be more like Ahrefs review, SEMrush review. Um, and then once they've done that, then they might do Ahrefs for SEMrush. Now they're really deep into the funnel. Uh, and now they're about, you know, trying to figure out who's the, who's the one that I want to work with. And then from there, really the last type of, you know, query is like pure transactional, which would be, you know, SEMrush, SEMrush free trial, Ahrefs free trial, things of that nature. Because at that point, you're, it's very clear what they're looking for, right? So, um, so that's why, you know, in context of like affiliate, that would be like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it could, SEMrush is an affiliate actually. So yeah. you could do SEMrush, SEMrush free trial and you rank for that, then you would you drive your free uh your link to SEMrush. So, um, but yeah, that's usually the way that it, it kind of unfolds. And actually SEMrush in particular, they actually now have um, a tool that will categorize intent. So if you search a keyword, they'll tell you what the intent is. 
Um, and the reason why it's so important is because the intent determines how that page should be structured. And so like a lot of the time when we review clients, their websites, we'll see uh, what we call like blended intent, which means they they haven't done it the right way. So for example, they'll they'll be targeting something like, I don't know, buy Instagram followers, okay? But instead of delivering like a transactional page because that's transactional intent, maybe they did it on a blog post. And that's not the right, that's not the right strategy. So sometimes people are using blog content to target transactional keywords or using uh, transactional pages to target informational keyword. You know, it's these things when they get all mixed together, it gets really messy. So, um, so that's why like understanding the intent will determine how that page should be structured. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, I love how you said that experience helps out with that. Um, sometimes when I'm working with a client or whatever, and you know, I can type something into Google and within three to five seconds, okay, I know what kind of article this needs to be. And, uh, but someone else will look at that exact same thing and be like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. I just Googled something. Right. So I love how you yeah. put that experience is, is a big deal there. Now, when it comes to, again, I, I just want to ask one more question in terms of intent. You said that the intent can determine the structure of an article. Mm-hmm. So I guess what are the types of structures or what intent do you look for? Are you just searching in Google and seeing what's popping up? If it's a whole bunch of top 10 articles, are you writing another type 10, top 10 article? Or how, how are you determining what to write after you've determined the intent? Yeah, well, it's actually even prior to the copywriting. So like first determining like what is the type of page that this is going to be. So for example, like in the case of let's do like a local example. So let's say it's a St. Louis personal injury lawyer. Someone searches St. Louis personal injury lawyer, they're not looking for an article. They're looking for to figure out who's going to be the best lawyer for their unique situation. So the you don't want to deliver, you know, St. Louis personal injury lawyer in a in a you know blog post. It's just not going to work super well. But what you want to do is you want to have a lead generation page that focuses focuses the content on why Joe Schmo is the best St. Louis personal injury lawyer and why they should work with them. Because really what you're trying to do is you're trying to get them to actually become a lead. So the 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 whole entire you know page should be structured in that way. So you'd have a lead form above the fold, you'd have testimonials, you'd have frequently asked questions. The content that you'd put on that page is very different than the content you would put on a page that's, you know, what is, uh, how many car accidents are there in St. Louis uh, every year, right? Totally different intent. That one's going to be a blog post. That's going to be data driven. There's not going to be really any calls to action, maybe one, you know, kind of subtle one, but totally different structures on how those pages go. So that's why the, you know, the understanding that part alone, you know, once you determine that, you know, the page structure, should it be a blog post? Should it be a lead page? Should it be a category page? If you're in e-commerce, should it be a product page? If you're in e-commerce, uh, and then from there, you can determine where to go. Now, blog content can be a million different types of content, right? It could be list posts, could be how-tos, could be definitive guides. Uh, the list goes on and on. So uh, what you're describing is more like, okay, you've determined that it's informational. Uh, you've looked at the search results. Pretty much everyone has top 10 lists. So this is where we get a little more granular because um, I'm a big proponent of, of differentiation. So if I see some, if I see top 10 results uh, for a keyword and everyone has done list posts, everyone's done top 10 drill bits, top 13 drill bits, you know, the whole thing, everything feels kind of the same. I want to, I want to be the purple cow in that result, in that, in that search result. 
So I will do something that's totally different than what anyone else has done. So like, just give you like a real life example, people can go and search this, but uh, for keyword research services, if you look that up, you'll see Gotcha SEO ranking. Every single, every single competitor for that keyword was just a really transactional page. So it was like someone promoting their keyword research services. So I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to stand out for this, I need to do something really different. So what I did is I actually tested all of the keyword research services. And then I created a, you know, this kind of list post saying like, these are the top three keyword research services based on 21 tests or something like that. So now when you go in those search results, you'll see mine really stands out, like opposed to everything else. Like it really stands out on its own. And the reason why that's important is first of all, unique content performs better because it's unique and people haven't seen it before. Uh, but also it drives more organic CTR. So when you get more organic CTR, not only are you going to outperform the people for that keyword, but you're actually going to maintain those rankings even better than on, on the search results. So, um, so there's so many reasons to do that, but yeah, I mean, I'm all about, uh, making, being different instead of trying to be better because it's, it's honestly a race to the bottom <laughs> to try to outlist another list. Yeah. Like it's just, it, it you know, it, at a certain point you gotta, you gotta, you know, let's say break the pattern, uh, to really uh, make a dent. Now I'm not saying you need to do that every time, you know, you can probably get away with it. And for a lot of queries, you can create something very, very similar, but if you want to be there for not just six months before five years, doing something that's really, really unique will keep you there. Um, and so that's what I'm thinking about. I was like, what's, what's going to be our, our key, you know, key point of differentiation for this keyword. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there, right? You, you just said a yeah. mouthful, right? And uh, yeah. I think I, it reminds me of an old quote that says, um, different is better than better. And, yeah. but sometimes there seems to be like, a fine line there because how do you like okay i i'm googling a phrase i determine it's informational i see a whole bunch of list posts there because in our industry a lot of list posts are, are created and you know right. sometimes you know sometimes someone will try to be different by okay when i google it i see 20 best i'm gonna do 101 best you know or something like that so right. how do i determine whether or not being different doesn't change the intent does that make sense yeah of course. Yeah. That's a common question that I, that I get when I bring this up, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we're not, we're not changing the intent. We're not changing the intent. We're just changing the angle of the content. So we're still, we're still hitting the intent the way that it needs to be. So if it's informational intent, we're going to, we're going to deliver on that. And, you know, we're going to deliver the value that's required for that particular query, but we're, we're coming at it from a different perspective. That's all we're doing. So for example, if you know, you have a list, a bunch of list posts, there's so many different things you could do. Like for example, um, uh, link building techniques, let's just pull one like that. That would probably fall into a list post category. So you'd have like, you'd probably look at the results. I haven't looked recently, but it'd probably be like, you know, 55 link building techniques, 10 link building techniques. So what you could do is you could come in and be like, uh, we, we interviewed 75 experts and they gave us their best link building techniques. Right. So now you come in with something that's not so focused on like just some one person's opinion. Now it's like, oh, wow, 75 of the top SEO experts give their number one link building technique. Right. So now you're you've come in with something that is still satisfying the intent, but it's very different uh, than what already ranks. So you have to you know you have to brainstorm, obviously. But um, and then even, you know, you could like right now I'm thinking like I could do something like. I tested every single link building technique on the first page. Here are the top three that actually produce results. 
you know, like now you can start to kind of like attack the people that are on the first page yeah. and come up with a unique angle, right? So there's so many there's ways to do it. Uh, you could come in with a case study. You could come in with a tool even that would satisfy the intent. Like you come up with some unique tool that shows all the different link building techniques and then it has some filtering system to determine which ones are best. So many ways. Um, and then differentiation isn't also just the angle. But you can differentiate um, even on the design. You can differentiate by adding tools and filters, making the page more comprehensive and deeper, um, even making the content more readable and easy to digest uh, or even simplifying it. There's so many things you can do. Um, and so it's just it's endless. It's truly endless. Yeah, because when it comes to I guess you got to be very careful because there is a line between the type of content you create versus the intent of that content. And if you understand the intent of the content, then you just have to be a little more creative, right? And come up with right. something, another angle. And you just mentioned it, a tool, uh, going out and doing some real unique research that requires you to yeah. maybe get on the phone, interview a couple of people or something to give yourself a little different. Now, in SEO, I would imagine that is very hard to do because it's just ultra competitive. But in some smaller spaces, yeah. that's not happening at all. So it wouldn't be too difficult to come up with some type of unique research that just requires maybe a little bit of extra time on your part in order to create that content. Would you agree with that? It's, oh, man, it's so much easier in other verticals. I mean, SEO is insanely competitive and, yeah. and just digital marketing in general, like because you're you're competing with other marketers. So it's really the most competitive thing that you could do. But um, to give you a perfect example, like I have this this coffee blog, and um, I I wanted to rank for best St. Louis coffee shops. Okay, so of course I could have just looked on the first page, grabbed all the all the coffee shops that are listed there, and then created my own list post just based on what was already existing. But instead, what we did is I literally spent uh, we spent I think it was like four six four to six months. We literally went to every single St. Louis coffee shop, like actually physically went to every single one. We tried the coffee, we documented it, we took pictures, um, and then I created this list post of the top, I think it's top 13 best coffee shops. That thing is ranked for three years straight and has not moved. It does not move. Like there, It doesn't matter what comes up in the results, we're there number one because no one else can create something like that because there's so much work that got put into it. So that's why I bring up this concept of like the, the, the moat, the content moat, which I really stole from Warren Buffett. Uh, but he says, you know, whenever Warren Buffett wants to invest in a company, he looks for a moat. He wants to see something that that company has that's like going to make it so incredibly difficult for competitors to come in and beat them. So like in the case of like Google, for example, they have an extremely big moat because it's hard to even come in and beat their search engine because it's just it, it, unlimited computing power. Like there's just unlimited resources, very big moat to try to beat them. Now, in the case of content, like Yes, you can go and just copy the competitors, but you're not creating any moat. So your fluctuation in rankings will constantly be changing unless you have a massive amount of links. But if you don't have a massive amount of links, you're going to constantly be battling people coming in with their new content uh, because you don't really have anything that's super unique, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, not trying to go too deep here, but this is just you know these are the things that I think about when we're trying to differentiate. So yeah, no, that is that's great stuff because it made me kind of think of a question just now. Um, a lot of people in our industry, there's always a fight because of whether or not you should create links or not. Right? There's a lot of people who are like, okay, just go after strictly informational, only low competition. I've seen a hundred of case studies where that's worked just fine, but 
so what will end up happening is if you get if you come up across a real SEO, right, who knows how to do competitor analysis and see that, oh, this site's getting 100,000 page views a month and they have a DR of a domain rating of four, you know, all mm -hmm. of, not much needs to be done in order to beat that out. So when it comes to building links, do you build links to your niche sites as well, like for your coffee shop? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, what you just described when I see that I'm licking my chops. Like when I see, when I see a site that's getting a ton of traffic and they have no authority, I'm like, Oh, thank you so much. You've done all my keyword <laughs> research and now I'm just going to go and crush you with links. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it is actually for real SEOs who understand every variable that really matters. Um, there's overwhelming evidence that links are the number one factor. I mean, it's just, of course, certainly you you can rank without links. You can do it by a pure content-centric approach, but will you stay there? That's the question. And links are the one thing that can keep, can give you that stability, that authority that makes it difficult for competitors to move you. So I'll give you like an example of SEO, like um, uh, Backlinko, which I'm sure you heard of. Yes. Uh, you know, he ranks, he ranks for uh, the head keyword backlinks, which is incredibly competitive. I mean, it's like, you know, DR85 or sorry, uh, KD85 on Ahrefs, like mm -hmm. something like that, something crazy. He has been number, he has had the featured snippet for that keyword for many years, like doesn't move. And that's not because his content is so much better than everyone else. I mean, his content is exceptional, by the way, very exceptional. That helps. Yeah. But, yeah. But there's also many people on the first page who also have great content too. Like it's, it, it is also exceptional, but the reason he maintains that ranking is because he is so authoritative, not just on the domain level, but also on the page level through his link building. So, um, and so it's just overwhelming evidence that that's so important. And, uh, you know, I'm always thinking about when we target a keyword, the first thing I'm thinking about is how are we going to narrow the link gap for this keyword? And that comes with our clients too. So, Oh, they want to rank for, I don't know, some crazy keyword. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you want to rank for that, but this is how much it's going to cost based on the amount of link gap that we have to narrow just for you to rank. And then they're like, oh, I see. Okay, let's target a more competitive keyword yeah. or a less competitive keyword uh, because links are, they can get very, very costly. Yeah, yeah, it, for sure. And we're going to go into that in just a second, but I wanted to double back and ask this question. You know, someone starting a brand new niche site, when do they worry about links? Um, I mean, everyone has their own philosophy on that. Uh, I mean, there's obviously like people are like, well, you shouldn't even build links for the first six months or the first, you know, uh, first year or whatever. Um, I mean, I think if you're trying to be safe and you're thinking, and you're really thinking about this long-term, like you want to build a niche site that's going to earn you cash flow for five to seven years before you eventually maybe uh, exit it. Like, I think it's fine to wait six months to a year to start acquiring links. Nice. Uh, and while you're doing that, you're, you're building that strong content foundation. But one of the worst things that you can do is continue to build this content foundation and not support it with links. Because what happens, and this is that we work with this on clients too. Actually, when we do audits on clients, one thing we're looking for is what percentage of pages have links on their website. So if we see that 80% of their pages don't have links, to me, like if I was Google, I'd be like, wow, that must not be a very good website because why do 80% of their pages have no votes? 
And so what we do is we want to push that percentage much, much lower. So maybe only 50% of their links or 50% of their pages don't have links, right? So pushing that further, because overall, like if you were to go look at, I don't know, even my site, you wouldn't find many pages that don't have links. Like it's pretty rare because I don't want ever, I don't want Google to ever think that my site is not important, is not valuable. So that's what Google uses. I'm not saying I love that they use links as their primary signal, but I have to work with, uh, you know, the cards that were given here and that's, it's, it's the variable that matters. Um, and so I, we see it a lot like niche sites. If you don't, if you don't build that foundation of links, you're not going to last very long. Um, so you may get that initial traction, good, you know, really good traffic. Um, but then you have someone like me or someone who really understands how to do link building come in and they're, they're gonna, they're gonna take your lunch money, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's yeah. the way it is. No, I, I, I totally understand and agree because you want to build that moat. Right. And I think, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of people out there <clears throat> income school who say that you need to do nothing but worry about just creating the good content. And they have so many uh, examples of yeah. sites that have done well without going without actively, I should say, going after links, because these sites are getting links, but they're getting it based on the good content that they create um, in the first right. place. But they're not building a moat because, you know, sometimes you might see a certain type of theme and realize, like you said, you start licking your chops, you're like, you know, so I think it is important to go after links, but I think it's after you've already built a little bit of a foundation for your site, because otherwise no one's going to link to you if you have a two page site, right? It needs to be something that's right. actually legit and there. So um, if you don't mind, let's shift gears a little bit to um a little bit more links this is probably going to be an interesting question here is um in more less competitive niches uh age domains has been like huge right now age domains expired domains and you were speaking about how expensive it is to acquire backlinks sometimes and i think age domains is like a steal because you can get these things at wholesale prices sometimes. So right. let's just say you bought a decent age domain and has some good links to it. You've done good due diligence or you've gotten it from one of these premium marketplaces. Do you have to do, since it's helping to raise the domain authority of the entire site, do you have to do much individual backlinking per page? Yeah. Um, so that's a multifaceted question. Okay. So let's start with the, uh, with the expired domain part. Um, certainly works definitely works but one thing people have to be careful of is not it, you you absolutely need to have a domain that is hyper relevant with its link profile to what that site's going to be so one one mistake i see is that people they'll find a, a domain that has links from huffington post and cnn and they're like oh man this is the one i need to get but the links aren't the the original purpose of that site was is not relevant to what it's going to be so you have to find that one-to-one -one match because otherwise you're always going to have that weird relevance coming into the site that's always going to cause problems. So, you know, for me, I, I'm a purist and I like to like, I like to know that I'm the reason whether I succeeded or failed at something. <laughs> so the thing with expired domains is you're introducing variables that are outside of your control right yeah. in the beginning of the campaign. And that's always kind of stressed me out. So I, I usually like to start with a fresh website because at least I know like if this thing succeeds or it fails, at least I know it was my doing. Um, and so that's kind of the one downside of it, but it, it works. I, I know 100% it works. I've seen people do it uh, and I've helped people do it as well. So, um, so that's the first part. Now, the second part you're talking about is more about the overall, like what do you do with the links coming from that expired domain um, and how can you leverage those the best? Well. 
there, there's a lot of strategy that goes into that part, but I'll say this, that it's all about link gaps. So on the domain level, you have to narrow the link gaps between you and the competitors. So looking at overall domain authority, domain rating, whichever third-party metric you want to use doesn't make a difference, but the overall authority. So if your top competitors all have, let's say, a DR of 60, you want to also probably have a DR of 60 to really compete with them. Um, but on the page level, if you're targeting a specific keyword, you also have to look at the domain, the backlink gap on the page level. So I would go and look at, uh, you know, in the top 10 results, how many links do the top 10 results have for this keyword? But then I'd go, I'd go even deeper. I'd say, okay, well, how many links do they have at each authority level as well? So maybe, you know, maybe most of their links are DR90 and above. I'm like, okay, this is going to be an expensive campaign because now I have to go out and get DR90 links as opposed to just getting, let's say, DR10 or DR20 links. So that will also determine your budget of how much you'll need to actually be able to do it. Um, so yeah, the answer is you still have to focus on the page level, but having having a strong domain allows you to allows you to get less links on the page level. So if you have a very strong domain, you will not need as many as many links going directly to the page just because overall site authority is so powerful. Um, and that's why, you know, as as affiliate marketers know, Amazon and uh, New York Times and all these sites, they just rank for everything without a ton of links going to the specific page. Their, their authority is insane. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, and that makes plenty of sense and, and does answer the question I was I was look, looking for because, you know, that's one thing that I think, but I mean, I don't know anything. You know, that's what, <laughs> that's why I asked you, Nathan, <laughs> to try to figure this stuff out. So uh, look, we're getting close to the end of our time here. So um, just curious, what do you, I mean, we've been talking a lot of links and off-page SEO stuff. What do you do to uh, optimize your content on page? Yeah, so we have, we have quite the process. Um, so... Assuming we have a good qualified keyword, we know that we can actually compete on it. Um, we, we found a good angle for the content. We've created the content uh, to the best of our ability. Um, the next phase of it actually is once that draft is created, we actually will run it through this, this free tool called Hemingway Editor. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, I use it pretty much for every content that I create or we create for our clients. It goes through there and that's our first stage of edit the editorial process. It goes through there. Next phase is it goes through Grammarly. So we take it, we put in a Grammarly. Our goal is to get a 95 on Grammarly. Um, and it, it, this is crazy saying this, but we've tested this and just improving our Grammarly score has increased rankings. Hmm. So we've taken content, taken it from like, I don't know, it's like a 75 or an 80, put it up to a 95 and then just put it back on the site. Rankings go up. Very odd thing. I don't, I, I, I have, I have theories about why it happens. Um, but but regardless, you're making your content better. So, uh, so you look at it as like those are the two parts of the editorial process, and then from there, once we've once the content's really where it needs to be, we're just going to put it into Surfer, and we're going to optimize it uh, using you know natural language processing. So we do that, um, and then there's obviously like bare minimum on-page SEO. So you know keyword and title, keyword and URL, keyword and H1, uh, keyword in the first sentence. Usually the primary keyword or a keyword variation in the first H2, and then really keyword in the last sentence. Like if you can hit those main points, you're going to do better than most people. I mean, that's, that's like bare minimum stuff, but if you want to take it to the next level, surfer is really where you would have to, 
you'd have to use um, to get there. Gotcha. So that's what we do for optimization. Yeah. 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 Um, I've been using Phrase a lot uh, recently, yeah, tool, yeah. and it's a it's a great tool. But uh, you you so you mentioned the Hemingway app that you use to kind of make sure that your content is most readable, I would guess, and yeah. then you use Grammarly and try to get that score to 95. I think that's a great tip right there um, because you've seen a direct correlation with it being well-written and easy to read and rankings increasing. So that's that's right. pretty awesome. And then you're using a tool like a uh, content optimization tool such as Surfer SEO or Phrase yeah. to get it a little more on the nose. And I think these tips are amazing. That little list you just went through, if people need to rewind and listen to that again, go ahead. Um, great on-page optimization types uh, uh examples and tools right there in order to get those things ranking as fast as possible. And in our space, you know, whatever, we, you know, I have people who are starting blogs on, you know, dog sites and they're starting, you know, uh, other type of video game sites or um, what's another one, game uh, board game sites, you know, a lot less competitive mm -hmm. than some of the stuff we've been talking about so far. These types yeah. of things that we've just talked about that you just kind of revealed and thank you so much you know would literally get you a leg up on almost probably 90 percent of the competition out there would you agree for with sure. that oh for sure yeah awesome. i mean i've all the examples i brought up are from pretty much the most ridiculously competitive vertical there is so um if you apply these same principles you will certainly do uh, much better than the competition so and even like you take it a step down you go into the local level like competition is nothing. There's so many affiliate marketers that don't pay attention to local and they're missing out on so much, so much. Yeah. So tons of opportunity. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this one last question and then we'll, we'll be done here. You mentioned, since you just mentioned the local SEO and how affiliate marketers miss on it, you mentioned that you wrote an article, best St. Louis coffee shops. So yeah. would it be an, a good strategy? Now, granted, I don't know if you can go to each one of these cities and visit every one, but would it be <laughs> a good one to say best LA coffee shops, best New York coffee shops, and then just literally have 10, 20 different articles on these major cities? Or would it be better to have all that consolidated into one article? No, I mean, you want to go city by city. City by city. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you want to have, I mean, we, my general rule is like, if the intent is different, it gets a different page. So someone searching in St. Louis is very different than someone searching in Los Angeles or Chicago or yeah. Wherever. I mean, it's funny, you know, we've even tested on that, that particular site. We have ones for like Austin and I think Chicago um, and nothing. And those ones we didn't do pure unique content like we did with St. Louis. And the St. Louis one just dominates. And those do like, okay, but they don't dominate. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I try to think about what's going to, you know, cause the domination. That's really what matters. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I, like, I like the point with um, if the intent change, it needs a, a separate page. I think that's really great. Yes. Um, because in our space, a lot of people will write, do guinea pigs eat lettuce? Do guinea pigs eat this? Do guinea?" And they'll have 10 different articles that are all virtually the same article, right? And granted, they are mm -hmm. trying to satisfy that intent for each one. But be even because that last word changes every now and then um, with each article, that's still a different intent, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, yeah, if someone's asking, do guinea pigs eat lettuce or do guinea pigs eat watermelon? Different, totally different intent. Right. So you could technically serve up a different page. Yeah. So you would never write like do what guinea pigs eat and then just go after everything. You you could. You could do both if that's if there's a query for that. Like what do you know, what do guinea pigs eat? Uh yeah. I mean you could do a whole list post and then link to those dedicated, you know, pages for those answers. Um gotcha, so yeah. yeah, I mean it's you don't need to be so restricted that you like can't talk about another topic on another page, but it's more just like 
what's going to be the theme of that page, right? You know, how are you yeah. going to build out that page around that keyword? So yeah, I mean, Google, this is actually, this has been a big change, I'd say in the last like probably three or four years where, you know, back in the day, maybe five years ago or so, you could just create one epic post and mm -hmm. you would rank for everything. Like if I, I would just create what do guinea pigs eat? I, I would target watermelon and carrots and lettuce and I target it all on the same page and I would just destroy everyone because it would be so long and comprehensive that Google would be like, oh, this is the one. A lot's changed and that's because of various things like voice search and things that are coming in, but Google wants granular answers, yeah, really granular. Because if you think about it, someone's doing it, like if they're on their phone, they're like, what do guinea pigs eat or do guinea pigs eat carrots? Well, they don't want a whole 3000 word article about that answer. They just seem to, you know, just yes or no. <laughs> like, and it needs to be that simple. So, and voice search is just pulling from the regular search results. So, um, so if you can be that person to answer those questions uh, in the most, um, with the most brevity possible, it, it works really, really well. Yeah. So. I have noticed that um, even if a site's going after a huge term, like, what does this dog eat or whatever? Um, if you try to be a little more more specificity in it, you'll end up ranking yep. because it's more relevant, right? And you'll end up ranking exactly. for that specific term because, like I said, Google's going for the search and the, the, the voice search and all of that fun stuff. So yeah. it's, okay. been a, it's been a big change, and I think it's it's a very very important point. So yeah, yeah get more granular. Yes, more granular and more specific, and you'll end up outranking even, you know, a, a very large authoritative sites just because you are more relevant than the other ones. That's Absolutely. cool. Awesome. Yep. Well, look, um, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure everyone knows about? And where can people find you? I, I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, we can <laughs> always cover more in the future. But um, but yeah, I mean, you can go to gotchaseo.com and uh, if you want to learn more about SEO, excuse my children crying, it's about that time. So <laughs> that's okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's gotchaseo.com or you can find me on YouTube, just search Nathan Gotch. So yeah, it's great content. I was sucked into the, the YouTube algorithm, said, hey, watch this guy's channel and I've been hooked ever since. So keep creating that content, man. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you being on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, see you later. Have you been struggling to make money with your blog? Or maybe you'd like to learn how to build a niche blog and start generating a passive income, but don't know how to go about it. Well, don't worry, I got you covered. Introducing Blog Builder Pro. Blog Builder Pro is a comprehensive online course designed to take you from a complete beginner to having a website up and running that is making you money. Blog Builder Pro also helps take the guesswork out of monetizing your blog by teaching you an easy step-by-step -step process that I call the Nifty 50 Course Steps. These steps will tell you what to do and when to do it so that you are never lost. One of the biggest frustrations that newer bloggers have is that they do not know if the work they are putting in on their sites will yield them some result. But thanks to the more than 60 professionally produced lessons, special worksheets, easy blog and email templates, exclusive webinar discounts, one-on-one -on -one training, and a community that can help you answer questions 24-7, Blog Builder Pro is rocking the industry with this groundbreaking and comprehensive training, holding your hand from start to finish. So go to bloggerevolution.com income and check out the free webinar for some more information. That is bloggerevolution.com income.